Space Podcast. Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESOAmazon. Or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out TangiboundNetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains, you can do it. You can do it. Check it out. TangiboundNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Josh Peterson and I talk about the possible dark future for August and see if there are any films that will shed some light for audiences this month. We also talk the future of Marvel on ABC and what could be done with the Titanfall series. We also have Sarah Kay from the AnaQuest podcast joining us to talk the future of anime on the Netflix platforms and another hit song from Hyperschmidt. It's another cowboy bebop of podcasting we have for you today as we once again delve into... Say a spice cowboy. Shucks howdy, it's the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another Pop Culture Cosmos. Shucks howdy. How's everyone doing out there? My name is Gerald Glassford with Pop Culture Cosmos. Josh is getting me all into this shucks howdy mood. Uh, We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And speaking of which, who is here to join me but my cohort in crime. He is the mastermind behind Humanica Media, which if you have not checked out yet, you need to on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. It's Josh Peterson. Shucks howdy. How you doing, my friend? Shucks, howdy, man. How uh, wh- who are the big bounties out in the universe this this week? What uh, who, who are we hunting for? Uh, we are hunting for good programming and good films in the month of August. We're also trying to hunt down the future of what's going on with ABC and Marvel, and could that love fest be ending sometime soon? And then also we're trying to figure out what's going on and hunt down some good stuff and good news for anyone that cares to know more about the Titanfall series and wants to see it progress 
in the future. So those are some things that we'll be talking about today. Plus, Sarah Kay will be uh, stopping by, talking some anime. Some important news has come over in the past few days in regards to the anime world. And who better talk about it than Sarah Kay from the AnyQuest podcast, which is available on Podomatic, iTunes, and YouTube. And you want to check out her show out. She's got a great show indeed. Uh, I truly appreciate the time that she spent. She's going to be uh, coming on later in the broadcast today as well. Well, Josh, before we head on out to talk about a little bit more what's going on with Humanica Media, I want to say congratulations to you with Attack of the Humanicans, which you can hear on the Podcast Radio Network, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network because it is now in the top 20 in its debut month with over 13,000 listeners. This show, the Pop Culture Cosmos show, is number one again, and it's all because of you. We thank you so much and thank all of our guests during the month of August as well. If it wasn't for a combined effort between all those entities and then obviously, most important, you, the listener out there, you have made us number one for the sixth month in a row and combined with the PCC Multiverse, we're now over 30,000 listeners strong. So that's, that's just truly just awesome indeed. And, and Josh, when I tell you that, as you get to announce what's going on with Humanica Media, how does it feel to now be listened to by over, well, in your case, 47,000 people a month on the Podcast Radio Network? Feels good, man. I don't have a speech prepared. <laughs> so just so humble. Just, uh, you know. Hey, seriously though, you guys like us, you love us. Uh, follow us on our social media channels. It it helps. Goes goes a great goes goes great length, man. It's a uh, it's a currency of the realm is social media clicks. So we love you guys and we appreciate it. Uh, but you know, fo- check out our, our our Facebook stuff too. We're we're all over the place. Absolutely. We're on Humanican Media on Facebook and Twitter. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter, Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So what is going on with all the great things? You've got a lot of podcasts coming down the pike this week on Humanican Media. We have a new Attack of the Humanicans, also a brand new topic, Ocalypse. New, uh, great new audio quality there and a brand new episode of the Super BS Gamescast. And for those of you wondering about the What About This podcast, it is still a thing. We're just trying to work out some scheduling conflicts, but it will be back soon, I promise. And let's hope it goes forward with that as well, because it's an excellent show. Plus also as well, again, Topicocalypse, the Super BS Gamescast. Don't want to, uh, you know, not throw some, some good light on their great podcast as well. And then, everything coming down the pike from Humanican Media, including Attack of the Humanicans. So we've got a great show for you today. Again, like I said earlier, Sarah Kay from the AnaQuest podcast is joining me to talk some anime with Netflix coming up later in the program. But Josh, I'll tell you what, was not quite the weekend that I think everyone was expecting when The Dark Tower was first announced. What are your initial thoughts when you heard that the Dark Tower, by all instances, looks like it's going to maybe meet the studio expectations. But for something that was $60 million in production and you know tens of millions of dollars more when it comes to advertising and promotion, this maybe did not uh, you know, initially off the bat see the kind of success you were hoping for when it was first announced. I want to say that I'm surprised, but I'm not. Like that, My reaction would be like, oh, that's weird, but... It's such a an odd franchise, and 
unless you're an avid reader or a comic book fan, you don't really know that much about it. Like unless you're, you know, you're a huge Stephen King fan. It's one of those things where like, I feel like once uh, enough people start talking about it, like it'll, it'll gain more traction. Maybe once the TV show hits, I hope they still do it. But um, it's not like, you know, it doesn't have the same traction as say like a Da Vinci code does like other, other books to movie type things. Like if it was a, um, you know, for example, it's not a Jack Reacher, which didn't do so well either, but there, there's a lot of, um, or Harry Potter. It's not a property that's as well known as uh, some of the other ones out there. And even or like, even some of the Tom Clancy books and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. And even for it, it's, it's, it's Stephen King's magnum opus, but it's not one of his better uh, among casual readers. It's not one of his better known uh, properties. Like I, I can go up to anyone and say, Hey, have you read it? And they'll be like, Oh yeah, I love Stephen King. And I'll be, and I'll ask them the, if they like the dark tower and be like, I've never re read it, but I've always wanted to get into it. So I think this is one of those situations where people are either wanting to, now that they know that it's a thing, they either want to read the books first or they just don't know enough about it to uh, kind of go into it like that. So I think that it's, you know, it, word of mouth is obviously really good, but it's, I, I still have hope that's going to gain traction. What are your thoughts? Well, I wanted to ask you one more thing in regards to it, but now I'll share some thoughts on maybe why, you know, there was a, a tepid interest this weekend at the box office, but is this a case where the power of Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes, and, and the critical mass seems to maybe gain an interest this week? Although I, I will say that, that Sony themselves were kind of leery on the Dark Tower themselves because they did not allow reviews to be posted until later this week, which shows that they didn't have much confidence in the film itself as well. The Dark Tower, the at least the film adaptation, took so long to get off the ground. I think that there's one. It's we're probably looking at one of these situations like what with Warner Brothers and uh, Batman vs Superman, where the studio wanted to have such tight control over everything that I'm imagining they didn't really give the director or the creators much power to do what they wanted to when it came to exploring this vast property. So I'm hoping that. Because I, I think that if they gave Jack Re the first Jack Reacher a sequel, that you know we won't have to worry about the Dark Tower being put in the trash can. But I, I hope that moving forward, they kind of learn a lesson from this, and because uh, it, it's got no shortage of talent, you know, and the source material is extremely interesting. But I think there's a lot of studio um, micromanagement going on here, so. I agree with you on that because it definitely feels like it's been a, a film that's that's not met up to standards for a Stephen King adaptation because the the lukewarm reviews and also the 90-minute runtime, I can tell you firsthand from a lot of people I've been uh, interacting with either on social media or in the real world, that kind of, even though it was a late reviews being posted, I think that had a lot, a little bit to do with it this weekend and also definitely that those... Uh, uh, you know that that short running time is it usually doesn't spell well for for elaborating on a and brand new IP just something like that right. correct right and it look look at it this way we always talk about this but I think in this case there are two types of reviewers the ones who really love the source material in the books I'm sure there are some out there because this is just a very it's it's hard to take a movie like uh, 
know, some source material like the Dark Tower and mess it up. Like, and let it's it's there's there's another factor here we're not seeing, I'm sure. But back to reviews, I think that there's either the reviewer who really loved the books and was kind of disappointed that some of this, like a lot of the stuff was left out. And there's also the reviewers who they want, essentially since Sony barred them out, they wanted to go in hating this movie. Like it happens all the time. There's so many critics out there because we're a society that has become so critical of everything, yet we don't have the talent to create it ourselves, but all we can really do is judge it. And they really wanted to hate this movie. And that happens with just about every adaptation out there. Well, those are some great points indeed. If you have any thoughts on The Dark Tower and why it did not perform up to a lot of expectations you know, from seeing the first trailer that got everyone so excited to now, please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. So that's one down. That's one major film down in the month of August. And looking at the rest of the month, this could be in a year or in actually in a summer where audiences are down almost 10% from what last summer was this time was doing. This August really looks like a movie drought as far as hit movies are concerned. So what are your thoughts are on the rest of the month? Do you see anything that might connect with audiences? Annabelle 2, Logan Lucky, The Hitman's Bodyguard, The Nutjob 2. These are not on the surface, you know, looking like that they're going to be box office smashes. Although someone has got to break out from the pack, correct? Yeah, definitely. They're not movies that are, um, you know, I guess you wouldn't really consider them blockbusters that people be flocking to i know because the hitman's bodyguard has ryan reynolds samuel jackson and well there's the nut job too uh that's with uh will arnett you have logan lucky which we talked about with channing tatum daniel craig and adam driver that one might actually have some promise i feel like that's going to be kind of pick up the traction like baby driver did so it'll be one of those things where it'll start out low and then it'll start to grow as more people kind of see what it is because baby driver domestically is just about ready to hit uh, at the end of its theatrical run over a hundred million dollars right it's right at that that point right now so that's definitely could be some good news indeed and there's some favorable reviews already out for logan lucky right now so that's definitely a good sign and steven soderbergh if somebody's like the like me who has enjoyed the ocean series uh, and and what he's brought to the table already theatrically i'm hoping for good things there but is it me or do you have a feeling i feel like this is now the period of time where it used to be for january where movie companies seem to just throw out just dead movies movies that were doa and just had to throw them because of contractual obligations mm-hmm. and now it seems like august is being left for dead because you september you have a really solid movie coming out in the new kingsman movie and october you have blade runner 2049 and these are films that should by all intents and purposes exceed both the expectations of of anything that may come out in august let me ask you this okay so the other night I was looking at movie tickets. I was trying to get my tickets for the Dark Tower. And movie tickets are about $14.50 now. They're almost $15. So you go and you take into account like even a child's ticket is almost is, is about $10 now. Like there's hardly any discount on it. So 
do you think that a lot of these low box office numbers are due to the fact that people just don't want to take their kids to the movies anymore? Because once think about it, once you go in, you have a family of five, you have a couple kid, a uh, couple kids, maybe a teenager, you end up, you know, paying upwards of sixty dollars. Plus, you go and get your popcorn and stuff. That's like a hundred dollar night. That's a that's like a trip to Disneyland for somebody. So it's, I I feel like it's not. They don't need to do that because I remember back when I was in high school, a ticket cost nine dollars, maybe eight fifty, depending on when you went. But I won't even uh, tell you what it was when I was in high school. <laughs> but it's just become so ridiculous. And but for the price of getting one person into a movie, you could buy the movie when it comes out. So what what are your thoughts on that? That's an excellent point uh, because uh, if it's something where a film is not a must see then people are, I think, sending a message to these theater chains that they don't like the rising prices. Uh, for here, us in, in Vegas, yeah, it's 12 bucks, it's 13 bucks, and, and you're, you, know, you said 14 bucks for you. I believe in New York, it's even higher than that. So I'll tell you what, the movie is not a go-see film, and Dark Tower, by all instances, is not for a lot of people, like with, with, unless you have a real vested interests like you do it's not a must-go-see film it looks like that by all intents and purposes people are shying away and like you said they're going to rent it on uh, Redbox or, or when it comes to netflix or get it on amazon get the dvd you know it really is or the blu-ray it looks like something that they're going to be able to start dictating and and the, the possibly if it, it continues this time next year and we're talking about the same thing this time next year then it, it really could be a problem for the the movie theater chains out there and the film industry because it looks like you know people are are saying with their wallets hey if you're not going to send us out a good product then maybe we shouldn't go see these films although we say that and emoji movie still you know did what it did last weekend although uh, it, it was cut in half this weekend it still garnered enough interest so that people had to, you know, still had the desire to go see it. So starting to see the, your line of thinking as far as if it's not a must go see film, then people are shying away from it. One more thing, even with like must see movies though, you're seeing less when you go to see like the, the big like Marvel or uh, DC or Disney films, you're seeing less and less like, large families going filling out these theater seats and mostly it's just uh you know it's millennials it's uh a couple senior citizens people who are drunk and coming from dinner because you know obviously they're not inhibited enough to notice the price problems but you're going to see less and less families and i think even with big popular movies that's going to continue to be a trend and it's not it's they sh you know it should be showing up right now it ha i don't think it has as much we're getting to a point where critic review, critical review is not going to have as much uh, sway over people going to see movies as much as it is prices. That's definitely some sound reasoning. And with the advent of increased prices due to IMAX, IMAX 3D, uh, do, do, you know, they praise the price if, if uh, the sound performance has been enhanced in some cases, theater renovation to add those nice, comfortable reclining seats, they jack the prices up because of that. There's a lot of reasons why that prices are being jacked up across the board at theaters around the country. So definitely that is a concern for 
the average consumer indeed because it I'll tell you what it's not not good when you could just keep on hiking those rates hiking those rates because both you and i thought at one time going to the movies was was a nice solid economical way of having a, a good time when you're out of the house and now it's definitely like you said a hundred dollars after spending just one night with the family doesn't look like it's that economical deal anymore that the movie theaters once represented to general audiences. What are your thoughts are on the movie industry? Is it becoming too expensive to go out to the theaters? Uh, let's share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com, American Media, Game Source, and PopCultureCosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the movie industry. Is it becoming too expensive to go see films these days? Is is that's what holding you back because the advent three, four months down the line of, of the routine practice of, of releasing these films on DVD and Blu-ray, we can just get it easily right away. So, so share us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you on that. And, and thank you again from the bottom of our hearts here at Pop Culture Cosmos and Humanity Media for the 47,000 listeners that listen to our shows in the month of July. We are truly in your debt as far as doing that as well. So we truly appreciate it. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Sarah Kay will be joining me after the break. And then Josh and I were, will we'll come back in the middle and talk some ABC and Marvel. And then we'll close out the show talking a little bit about Titanfall and Titanfall 2 and the expectations that it had that it's not meeting up to and and what we think might go on with the series from there as well. So we truly appreciate you joining us and we got to have a song before we head out to our first break. And it's our good friend Chad again from Hyperschmidt. This is Hyperschmidt and this is After All. And this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Where you are, oh, I would not change a thing. You are dear, you are flawless. Will you fix my broken wing? On a ledge, can you see what you know you're looking for? I am sure I've forgotten. Once again, I lost my goal. In my problems, I feel small. It's the climb of
Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. 2017 is a pinnacle year for Rob McCallum Films. Coming off the heels of the internationally acclaimed and award-winning documentary Missing Mom, we're in the final stages to release Kitty, Origins and Evolutions. Check out this heavy metal biopic that explores the ups and downs of rock and roll for the women in Kitty who blazed a trail in the music industry in the face of unthinkable adversity. Kitty, Origins and Evolutions releases this year from Rob McCallum Films. 2017 is the year to set your future on fire. And we're back with the program. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about on today's show was a little bit of anime. And the reason why is because there's there's so many new things going on in the anime world. And who better to talk about them with me? than the creator and host of the AntiQuest podcast, it's Sarah Kay. How are you today? I am good yourself. I am very well, thank you. And it's great to have you on the show talking some anime. So um, I, I want to get you know into it right now with uh, obviously the big news of the week in the anime world, and that is the news that Netflix has announced a slew of new and original anime programming that's coming on the way for Netflix viewers. And I was hoping that you could not only go into detail about those shows, but also what that could mean to people who may be just wanting to get into anime and wanting to understand a little bit more, and also for those who are really into anime programming. I think that it's uh, an important step in Netflix's uh, model towards anime. Um, in my uh, kind of a shameless plug here, but I a few years ago uh, did a, uh, a sort of podcast type video about where I just discussed um, anime and Netflix and 
just Netflix's history of how they've been dealing with the anime that they've been streaming or licensing. And this is the first time that we've actually come across something that they have legitimately produced. Everything else until now that they have back, they have been labeling as Netflix originals have just been things that they've been licensing rather than anything that they actually produce themselves. So I think that that is a huge step towards them actually listening to fans. The big issue that I had uh, at that point was that not only were they taking credit for things that they weren't really theirs at that point when they were just licensing stuff, they were also taking these shows, even though if they had licensed them during the airing or before the airing, and just waiting for them to be completely aired and then upload them all in one go, which I get is a model that has worked for them for their for their content. Um, if you read up on Netflix, they're very much into the binge model that, that um, they don't, they think that people don't want to wait weeks in between episodes, which, okay, I understand, but. Well, they've actually changed the model of the way people actually watch television programming because, like you said, they have, uh, I don't know, they've, they've originated, but they certainly revolutionized that binge model, correct? Very much so. My big worry at that point was that because the fact that the shows were still airing in Japan, that this would encourage people to seek piracy because they don't want to wait to watch the episodes. So the good thing about the fact that they are they have now announced these shows that they're actually going to produce, I feel like this might actually just satisfy that model for them and that actually might uh, increase the chance that they will actually start releasing their licenses every week instead of uh, instead of all in one go as they have done with their produced content and the reason that i do th that i think that this is actually quite possible now is because um just a couple months ago when riverdale was airing they got the license for that and they started uploading that weekly the day after it would air on the i think the cw and clearly that as far as i know has worked for them because it was a very successful show hopefully um, in that uh, case, it actually um, helps them to see that uploading weekly will also be profitable. Uh, as, now, as far as the shows themselves, um, I think that they look quite promising because of um, the type of attitude that Netflix has had towards their other shows in the past. Um, if you look, for example, into the history of how House of Cards was made, Kevin Spacey and company were trying to get the show produced years before Netflix even had their hands on it. And just nobody was really uh, offering anything, or if they were, it just wasn't uh, what they were hoping for. And finally, the Netflix stepped forward and gave this show that wasn't really giving any chance, getting any chances, um, a guaranteed first season and a guaranteed second season before the first season was even made. So um, they just have had this model of always giving uh, these little shows that could uh, chances to blossom. And when you look at, uh, for instance, uh, Castlevania, which of course is an anime, but it's very, uh, very anime-like and very indicative of what 
they want to follow once they start making anime that this is not something you would typically make in animation. Um, it's a very, very dark subject matter, and especially here in this, on our, the western part of the world, we really associate animation with children. Um, of course, that's kind of changing these days, but... Yes, absolutely, with, with so many things that... Uh, I think Nicktoons in the 90s started changing that philosophy, but it has evolved even more into the Adult Swim programs, and then also as well now today, there's a lot of the, a lot of things in the works that will cater to more to an, an older audience when it comes to animation as well. And the Simpsons, you know, Simpsons, South Park, and whatnot. Those those models have have changed a little bit to the facilities. But I get what you're saying as far as the Disney magic and and creating uh, Pixar and and creating that type of light, happy tone as opposed to what anime does uh, on, on a lot of occasions in regards to their type of of look and feel. Is that correct? Oh, for sure. And it's like a lot of the cartoons that you just mentioned, the ones that were directed towards adults were comedies. And so this one is one that's being taken very seriously. And yeah, something like that is quite rare in, on this side of the world at the very least. Yeah, so it's definitely not a typical show that would be made. And if you look at uh, some of the history of uh, some of the show, the anime that they have announced, like the the Devilman series. Well, let, let, let me actually run off the list for you as far as that's uh, for everyone out there. Let me run off the list for, for you yeah, and just see which ones that interest you in particular, Sarah. Uh, we'll start with uh, Be the Beginning. Uh, that's uh, from the production company that, that's most familiar with, with Ghost in the Shell, uh, Sword Guy, the animation, Lost Song, uh, Knights of the Zodiac, Saint Saya, Baki, Kakiguri, Fate Apocrypha, Children of the Whales, Devilman Crybaby, Cannon Busters, Rilakkuma series, and then Godzilla Monster Planet. Just some of the offerings that Netflix has on the way. So which of those do you think might appeal to not only hardcore anime fans, but a wider audience as well? Uh, right now, the, the one that sticks out to me the most is Lost Song because of its uh, focus on fantasy, and it just generally has a very beautiful art style from, from the, the few uh, shots that uh, we can see. I, all I can say is for me, uh, Godzilla, obviously with you know, general audiences, and then uh, you know possibly even anime fans as well, probably can relate to that one the easiest uh, since Godzilla still is something that is kept in relative pop culture. Uh, obviously, the success from the big screen has helped with that. And now it looks like they're going to translate that, that true image of Godzilla onto the, the small screen with an anime feature. So that's definitely something to look forward to. But uh, other than that, there... You know, just let me know if there's some others that that might stick out to you as anime that's coming to Netflix that might be something to look forward to. Lost Song, uh, from what I can tell, it's not based on anything. I, I don't think so. It's kind of hard to tell um, what exactly um, the story is going to be like, but it. I'd say this is the one that intrigues me the most, and especially um, fantasy as as a whole. Uh, uh, in anime is something that is very, very westernized. 
So I feel like this is probably something that's going to be good for potentially uh, new audiences, and it could still appeal to the current fans because, I mean, because of the, the popularity of things like uh, Seven Deadly Sins and uh, Sword Art Online, <laughs> uh, and, and bo both of which, of course, are on Netflix. Uh, Seven Deadly Sins is uh, one of Netflix's licenses, and Sword Art Online is just something that they also stream. Um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I'd say that again, based purely on the fact that it's a fantasy series and just how westernized fantasy is. And again, if you, if anyone can look up the artwork, it looks like it looks fantastic. And I think just based on that alone, that from what we can see, I think that's something that can very much um, appeal to both newcomers and seasoned fans. The second one that really sticks out to me is the Knights of the Zodiac Saint Seiya, just for very different reasons. If you grew up in, I think, like the late 90s, early 2000s, there was this really uh, not very good edit of the Saint Seiya series called Knights of the Zodiac, and I watched that a lot as a kid, so that's quite nostalgic for me, so I'm kind of excited for that. Um, I do think it's a bit weird that they kept the Saint, uh, the uh, Knights of the Zodiac name because that version of the series doesn't have the greatest reputation, and I believe there exists, um, to some extent, an uncut version of a dub that retains the uh, Saint Seiya name. And I think it also just looks, based on the poster, it looks very interesting. Uh, it kind of reminds me of another series that's on Netflix, uh, Knights of Sidonia. It's uh, just the poster kind of reminds me of that, and uh, again, if you like Knights of Sidonia, I think that that is probably uh, a good recommendation to try to check, check out uh, the new Knights of the Zodiac series. Although I must admit, I haven't read the manga, or if, even if there is a manga, I, I haven't read it, and I haven't watched uh, any Saint Seiya material beyond the Knights of the Zodiac dub. But I think that it's a good nostalgic property for them to have, and potentially something that uh, newcomers could like as well, because it's kind of obscure, so you might find like a hidden gem in it that uh, you might enjoy. So if you like things that are like space themed, I, I might be wrong there. I, uh, as I recall, I believe it was in space. But um, So if you like things that are space themed, that's potentially very interesting for you to check out. Oh, that's some great suggestions. Absolutely. Uh, definitely uh, so a lot of great options there. And, you know, I just think that Netflix is, is doing a lot with the, the anime scene and when somebody wants to go ahead and now recognizes, or even the casual fan that wants to know, know and understand the anime world better and sees this influx of shows coming to Netflix, what does that say for them or even hardcore anime fans about maybe veering away from Crunchyroll and other entities that have been traditionally the places to go for anime in the past? First of all, I'll say I, I hope that doesn't necessarily happen because I I use Crunchyroll a lot, so I would hate to think that they're losing business because of Netflix. See, I, I have trouble um, with really picturing 
uh, whether or not people actually migrate from Crunchyroll or other services to Netflix because while it's their licensing model has kind of worked except for the thing where they didn't upload episodes uh, weekly their actual service when it comes to anime is not all that great particularly when it comes to their subtitles because they're very hard to read and some of them are actually misspelled which okay i i can get on like services like crunchyroll because they don't have as much money coming into them but netflix is a professional a professional service so i feel like they should be paying a bit more attention to that especially when it when a lot of anime fans prefer subtitles over dubs. Um, so if but other then again, I think, I think you're talking about maybe a, a specific entity that's, that's focused on one thing as opposed to you know, a channel that wants to be everything to everyone. Uh, and I think that's where you get into a jack of all trades, master of none type of deal. That That's just a personal yeah. opinion that I have, but I think that's what, what I, I seem to gather from what they're doing. Yeah, that's that's true. And and their audience, for the, you know, some part, they're trying to grab, like I said before, they're not just try, trying to grab the, the hardcore audience, but they're also trying to grab a casual audience as well. And maybe casual audiences aren't noticing or aren't understanding anime well enough to maybe pick up on those subtleties that even hardcore anime fans are, are not willing to let go as much, or, or even they are willing to let go as much just so they can see actually some great new anime coming to their television set. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Um, I, I, guess, but I guess my problem is that I'm coming at this as a hardcore anime fan, so it's a bit hard for me to come at this as an outsider because I haven't been for about 10 years now. But, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> no, and that, that's, that's what, that's what I, the kind of opinion that we're looking for is that okay, the casual fan may not pick up on those subtleties, but the hardcore fan is. So to a hardcore fan, these, these different types of things, whether it's a dub issue, whether it's a subtitle issue or whatnot, these type of things, the subtleties may be all the difference between not picking up Netflix and staying with Crunchyroll as opposed to trying out those new shows on Netflix, correct? Mm -hmm. As far as, again, what you were saying before, the, poten uh, people, uh, the potential of people using Netflix more than Crunchyroll, I think it's it's good to an extent because again as we've been saying crunchyroll is directed more towards the hardcore fans whereas netflix is more directed towards everybody and so this will actually get a lot of animes that otherwise wouldn't have much exposure a lot more exposure it's going to get a lot of shows that deserve credit probably the credit that they do deserve <laughs> Um, I, again, going back to one of their licenses, Knights of Sidonia, that's a computer-generated series, and those typically do not do well. I think that most companies, apart from Netflix, would not even touch it with a 10-foot pole because those just don't sell. But because of the fact that it was licensed by Netflix and it has the Netflix original logo on it, it is automatically a success, basically. Well, those are some great opinions indeed. And if everyone out there has questions or or has an opinion on what's going on within the anime world when it comes to Netflix, all those great shows, 
please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, popculturecosmos, game source, and humanica media on Facebook and Twitter as well. And I must say right now, if you are a big fan of anime, or even if you just want to become more knowledgeable about the anime scene, you have the Annie Quest podcast that's now available on Podomatic, YouTube, and iTunes. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I, I believe so. Sweet. That, no, that's awesome indeed. So definitely check out the Annie Quest podcast that's on Podomatic, iTunes, and YouTube. Definitely check that out. That's a must for anyone that wants to get into anime or also hardcore anime fans as well. We definitely appreciate you being part of the program here today. And, and like we said, wish you all the best. And you're, again, you're most welcome to come back on the show at any point in time. That's Sarah. That is Sarah Kay. She is the host of the AniQuest podcast that's now available on YouTube, iTunes, and Podomatic. And look forward to more amazing stuff for her in the future and her coming back to our show the pop culture cosmos for the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture head on over to our brand new site www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com and we're back with pop culture cosmos my name is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source we truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today and josh I know you have been keeping somewhat an eye on ABC and Marvel. Like me, you're not as big a fan of what they're doing with the Marvel product on ABC television as opposed to what they're doing with Netflix. But recently, there's been some comments that have been made in regards to the future of Marvel shows on ABC. So I wanted to get your thoughts first up. I know a lot of feedback has been coming out for Medusa on her wig in the trailers. It's not looked very threatening, I should say, for lack of a better term. But what are your thoughts on the Inhuman series first off? And, and could it be something that Marvel and ABC could really rely on in the future? Or something that maybe they should reevaluate before the series really goes forward? This is my thoughts on Inhumans. It's like being promised a pizza and then instead getting a bowl of cheese because they promised us a movie. <laughs> as long as it's mozzarella, I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 Mexican sharp cheese, okay? So it, it's, well, it's... If it's Cotija, I don't mind. It's Kirkland brand, all right? This is what we're talking about here. Okay, there you go. They um, So they promised us a movie. They promised us a movie with Vin Diesel. They promised it'd fit into Marvel Phase 3. Then it didn't. Then it got canceled. Then Vin Diesel became Groot. Then they told us it was going to be on ABC, and it was still going to have good production quality. And they show us the hair, and it just looks like a you know a twelve year old's After Effects project. So, um, yeah, I'm not too stoked about it. Honestly, <laughs> like I could, I'll probably watch it, but I'm not on pins and needles waiting for it. Either that or you'll go to your local elementary school to see what's going on with, with the latest project, uh, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, I'll just hang out in the uh, computer lab and see who's uh, you know, who's creating the latest After Effects using YouTube tutorials. There you go. So the reason why I say that is because you know, there's been recent talk by uh, the president of ABC in regards to comments that he made during the latest 
TCA, Television Critics Association, been talking about, yes, they understand that there's a semblance of quality that they're used to within their series of what goes on in the context of ABC and Marvel. And then they realize what's going on with Netflix and their associations with Marvel. And I see a lot of people still gravitating towards the shows on Netflix. So Josh, should they reevaluate how their shows on ABC are presented? Because it looks like at this point in time, they're getting blown out of the water by what Marvel is doing on Netflix because Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., even though it's been given a full season, the numbers have not been effective. And more importantly, it's been delayed, even though it is getting a full season pickup. We don't know how long much after that the series is going to get from ABC. So I think that can be attributed to people's love for the Netflix shows primarily. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., after the first season it kind of became super dreary like we as soon as the novelty of the show wore off they kind of it became dark and it became like this show full of people whining and having conflicts that didn't even need to happen and let me ask you this okay would you be as interested in the movies in the marvel cinematic universe if they didn't all eventually cross over at some point I would be more interested in the ABC features if, like you said, they crossed over because I think that's what they need. I think that's the kind of shot in the arm that the ABC series, the Netflix series don't need it because they seem to do very well on their own because they gave themselves their own shot in the arm by coming together as defenders. Whereas you have these ABC shows that seem to want to stand on their own. And unfortunately, in, in some cases, like, Agent Carter, which actually itself had a really, really good first season and seemed to go downhill in the second season. Now, even though both the star, Haley Atwell, and the showrunners have expressed interest in returning back to the series in some form and to the character in some form as well, I still don't see a good future going forward as far as anything planned because, uh, like I said, the way ABC handled that show, similar to the way that they're handling the agents of shield at this point in time. So I definitely think they could use a shot in the arm. And, and I think the Netflix series of the daredevil of iron fist, even uh, Luke cage and Jessica Jones coming over into that universe would be really, really the shot they need. I, I think the only glimmer of hope in, in recent times for the agents of shield series has been the reemergence of the ghost rider. Is that correct? Yeah. And even that was, you know, not as well done as it could have been. This is, so what I would like to see is I would like to see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. maybe go bye-bye from ABC, but uh, come back onto Netflix as a 12-episode order that could cross over with the Defenders. And at the same time, because I think that they're trying to tell stories in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that are so large and so uh, at points convoluted that they cannot keep up with their own mythos. Because they're asked to, to do it over a course of a 22-week period. Right, right. So I think that a shorter episode order and a, a story that makes us still feel like we're tied into the greater Marvel Universe would do leagues you know, with fans and keeping that show alive. I couldn't agree with you more. What are your thoughts on Marvel and the ABC universe tied in together? Do you think it's at an all-time low? Do you think they need a shot in the arm? Or do you think everything's going just fine? Are you excited for the Marvel Inhuman series? 
Are you excited at the prospect of possibly maybe infusing those series with each other with the Netflix series? Uh, share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanican Media on GameSource and Twitter. And if you cannot, for some reason, catch our shows on the Podcast Radio Network, we are always available for download. We're going to be available for download at any point in time on iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, the Ace Podcast Network, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunna Geek Network as well. We've also added Cast Crunch, uh, of course, our home site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. We're also adding the socialpodcast.com network, and also as well, we're looking into Podomatic as well to maybe run an episode now and then on both of those platforms as well. And if you do download our shows, you always get a bonus thrown in for you just because we love you right here from the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being here today as we close out the program for today. It's been a great pleasure to have Sarah Kay from the AniQuest podcast on. We truly appreciate her joining us and talking some anime. If you want to check out her show, it's on Podomatic, YouTube, and iTunes. I kept calling it Podbean, and uh, you know, I know you're the Podbean guy. That's, that's, I got to get that straight. So I did want to mention before we go on the way out, Electronic Arts recently had its investor meetings as well. And one of the things they talked about is obviously how well Battlefront's doing and its future. They talked about how Battlefield 1 going back into World War One seems to have been a good move for them as uh, they now have uh, over 20 million players uh, as well as the Battlefront series. But one of the things that also was talked about amongst all their other projects was the fact that Titanfall 2, although the numbers were in their opinion, paraphrasing here, pretty strong and whatnot, it still hasn't met up to expectations. And with the original Titanfall also not meeting up to expectations, that's two times in a row for a series which has been very critically received, very well thought of. The campaign on Titanfall 2 is considered really strong for a first-person shooter campaign. So I ask you, Josh, what's gone on that's so wrong and why people have not connected with the Titanfall franchise? To me, it's the idea of not having a single-player game going out the gate. That's because, um, you know, they start out with no single player, made the jump into single player, but it's still mostly a multiplayer game. I think that right now they're kind of confused. They don't really know what they want to be. And I think because of that disconnect, and especially like to me, there wasn't 
if I hadn't, you know, if I wasn't on video game news sites constantly reading this stuff, I would have never known there was a single player in it. And I know with uh, the multiplayer in the first one, people just got burnt out on it after a while. And as far as the single player goes in Titanfall 2, I think that it's not um, as well received with people because it was something they kind of threw together at the last minute because to cater to a certain audience instead of actually putting thought into it. Well, I can tell you this, that I know you and I did a lot of foreshadowing last year and also as well Douglas Hoyleboo, pretty much you guys as the, the video game guys to go to in regards to thoughts in the video game world on Titanfall 2 and that it came right around the time that Battlefield 1 came out and also the latest Call of Duty came out. So I think pretty much we were talking about spelling doom for the for the series and the and the game because it seemed to get sandwiched in between those other games that were probably better promoted. Obviously, ended up being more successful, even though Call of Duty is still not meeting the numbers that Call of Duty expects. That's still leagues above what probably Titanfall is doing at the moment. So I, I think it's an issue of EA not being uh, proactive enough to put titanfall in the best frame of light with the gamers i think if this game came out in february or march of last year or this year i think we'd be seeing it in a totally different light and i think it might have even garnered quite a substantial following more because of it uh, i think because it would have come out in a time where there's not as much competition and after seeing another electronic arts debacle with mass effect andromeda people probably would have gravitated to Titanfall 2 even more because, again, it is a very, very well-received critical game. It just has not translated into a large general audience. I, I've actually spent quite a bit of time in the Titanfall world, uh, especially with the original, and it just, you know, it's a really solid game. But like you said, it would have been nice for a, a single-player campaign which is similar to what they did with Battlefront, but Battlefront seems to have survived and thrived still even without constant complaints as regarding to a single-player campaign. Is that just because people were so starved for a Star Wars product that had any type of quality whatsoever? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the past, what, five or six years, we've just had uh, promises of Star Wars games, cancellations of Star Wars games. We've, there's even like a brief murmur of a remaster of Shadows of the Empire going around for a while. Never saw the light of day. They killed us with this amazing trailer for Star Wars. Uh, what was the, the Bounty Hunter one? It's 20... I think 1313? 1313, yeah. yeah. And, uh, that, that looked beautiful. That looked amazing. And lo and behold, we did not get that either. So, yeah, I think we're just starved for something because I... It's funny because I almost feel like that's one of the reasons people did enjoy Battlefront so much, just because uh, it was Star Wars content, you know, and we haven't had a lot of that in a while. But I think if there were already like a slew of Star Wars games out, like Call of Duty, you know, like Call of Duty's and Battlefield, it probably wouldn't have garnered such great reviews. I agree with you on that. It just uh, quite disappointing to hear that that the game is not doing well as a series. So. The future for Titanfall is definitely in question. EA did not commit to a Titanfall 3. They said they're committed to the franchise, but did not exactly give the warm and fuzzy feeling all over for a Titanfall 3. So uh, I'm hoping that they will get another stab at it because this, this is a game series that's 
not bad in quality it's just bad in the way that it's been promoted and shown off to gamers so uh, i'm hoping for at least one more stab at it before they, they finally give up the thought of having titanfall as another tentpole franchise what are your thoughts on Titanfall, the series? Please let us know. Did you enjoy both games? Is, is it something you'd like to continue in the future as a gamer? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, GameSource, and Humanica Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. And if you get a chance out there and you do download our shows, please give us some love. If, you, if at all possible, we'd be so indebted to you. We like to make ourselves not only available on as many platforms as possible, we want to make ourselves the best show possible. Uh, we keep trying to do that each week with, with new and interesting guests, new and interesting current topics in the pop culture platform. And we definitely uh, can't do it without your love. And, and we just appreciate us being so successful on the Podcast Radio Network. And again, it is all because of you. So for Josh Peterson... This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day here in paradise, here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. Shucks, howdy. And here's hoping you have yourself. (laughs) Shucks, howdy. A great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. All right, and we are back with another episode of Topicocalypse. Where uh, four, sometimes more, idiots sit around a table and discuss uh, random topics we may or may not know anything about. Thanks um, for putting us down instantly, you jerk. Yeah, yeah, uh, that about was, that. That wasn't in the first couple who's episodes. A, wait, who's, who, who am I talking to? I'm one of your hosts, Josh Peterson. Josh Palderson. Josh Palderson. Josh, Josh Jankerson. Josh, um, everybody knows who, my name, yeah. who, who are these voices that are surrounding this table right now? Uh, let's see. To my right, I got... Um, Eddie Sheely. Eddie. Ready for a good time. Okay. Are you ready to party? Always. Party boy Sheely. Yeah. And I'm um, Daniel Nitsky. Beautiful name. I know. It's beautiful. Nice. And, and I am Brian Wagner. A special guest from the Super BS... Hurrah! Gamescast. Are we still calling Every- it Gamescast or is no! that a podcast? We so took it out a long time ago. Super BS. Super BS. Super BS. Lots of BS. All right. Well, as you guys know, this show works a little differently. Uh, we break it down topic by topic, and each ep- each part will go up on YouTube if you want to check it out. And then I'll post the uh, podcast as a whole on podcast.com and iTunes. Tell me as a whole. As a whole. As, as a, a whole. whole. You are an as a whole. As a whole.
If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City yes, Games. Um, all right, so I have a special request from uh, Eddie Sheely about uh, going first. He's really excited with this topic that we don't really know anything about yet. Did, but, did um, he pay $10? Like, do you do a karaoke? He did. He, yeah, he, he bribed me to go first. It's not, it's not that I'm so excited about doing the topic. It's i got to go pick up my truck. So I'm I'll be so excited. Early. So what's wrong with your truck? It's getting its windows tinted. It's getting its window tinted so you can get a ticket. Who? You can get pulled over. Well, so, so the police can't see you when you're so sketchy? Can, yeah, so I can give more money to the state of California. Yeah, there which you go. brings me into my topic is I'll when does it become... When is it time to leave California? Now. Because Yesterday. Of, because of the cost of living. <laughs> I actually, we were, <laughs> 27. we were talking before we started the podcast, um, and I was dying of heat in your house, and you didn't offer me any ice water. Hey, do you want some he's ice water? A, he's actually a uh, jerk, so you don't No, want. not yet. I'm okay. I don't yeah, want you, you don't want to pick up hell, they want ice well, water, Well, I mean, if, yeah. you dehi- if you pass out from dehydration, then I'll know that you do need water. Do you know CPR? Um, I'm, I'm certified. I know PBR. Ooh. But <laughs> I would rather kick you until you opened That's your eyes. That's the I like to hear. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, on L.A. County, they're talking about raising um, the cost of living another 5%, which would make over 2,000 more people homeless instantly. So that being said, when does it follow suit that, hey, am I going to be, you know, you look at the Santa Ana River and it's a tent city. Um, I don't know if you saw a recent Facebook video of two bi- bicyclists riding down the Santa Ana River by Angel Stadium. Mm-hmm. It, I was just there the other night, it lo- last night. It looks like, you know, people have houses and in the front of them, well, tents. In the front of them, they have a patio-like set and they have a fence and they have, like, their name spelled out in rocks. So their life is intense. Is like a, oh. So... When does it, do I want to live in a tent and continue to work, or do I move to another state where I could possibly have something more? That's, my sister and her husband leave tomorrow. They're moving to Nevada. But a two-bedroom place. And you're over here talking about AC, Attaboy, yeah. and, and cold they water. They got the Hoover Dam. Um, so oh, damn. Two, oh, oh. get some damn bait on the oh, damn man. tour. Honey. So for a two-bedroom <laughs> out there in a decent neighborhood is $980. And he's going to be making the same money he is here out there. So you're going from paying, you know, two bedroom in a decent neighborhood, let's say eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars. I think. Where, that's where are you talking about now? L.A. County, Orange County, Orange County, Valley of the Dirt People. I'm, so, I'm Valley sorry, of the Dirt People. Well, even I like that was L.A. County. I Wait, think, Long Beach is part of L.A. County, right? Yes, it is. It is. Okay. Yes, but there's parts of Huntington Beach that. The cost of, you know, over by the Old World Village by Costco, the new one they just built a few years ago. By Bellaterra. Yeah, by Bellaterra. Those for a two-bedroom, you're looking like $2,600, $2,800. Yes. So when does it just become like, you know, the recent thing for in San Francisco? Even if you're not, if you're making six figures, you're still considered low class. So when is it time to say, okay, I'm done paying taxes? Because the, ne- the most recent tax coming up will be in January when we have the gas tax hike. Is that still happening? It is still, still happening right now. They're trying to repeal it, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then the same with registration costs going up. So 
they're saying it's going to go up 60 more cents per gallon. So being in my truck, I would be paying an extra $22 to fill up every time. Moral of the story is don't fill up. Yeah. You're welcome. Walk. Live in a tent. Ride your bicycle. So what, do you, so what do you guys think? If you if you guys, you know, mo- I'm sure you guys were born and raised here in Southern California. Yes, sir. If you had the opportunity to move states. Yes. Yes? Okay. It depends on, like, if I had a Deuces. job out there or. Well, if you if you could. Okay, so you work at the church. Okay. If you were a to, church. A any church. church. We're not going to name church. it. A, a church. church. A government church. A government no church. church. Separation government of church and state. So if you were to take what you were making right now. <laughs> And move to another state. It and is plausible for you to make a, you know, to live a decent lifestyle making what you make here. Whereas, you know, I would assume you wouldn't be able to go get your own apartment and so on and so forth. What are you talking about right now in a six thousand foot square foot apartment in JP's <laughs> home? We call it JP's palace. You'd have to the live sw- swimming pool on the roof. You'd have to live in Huntsville, Alabama. So, Speaking just humid. We had a friend from high school who lived in Huntsville, Alabama. He loved it. Big, big aero. <laughs> so, nothing but good news about yeah. that. Yeah. Big, big aerospace out there. Surprisingly, I That's I wouldn't exactly mind like I wouldn't mind like Kansas. Kansas is another aerospace. Oh. That'd be fun. Okay, Toto. Don't do it. No, Clark Kent's <laughs> from Kansas. Yeah. So I mean, so there's that. So what you're saying is you're gonna fly when you get there. So what I guess what yes. California has so going against it is we have failing roads. What's what's the point of living in Southern California anymore? We're supposed to be beaches, supposedly beaches and, and mountains and weather, what, man. Don't the you beach, the, what the beach you go to and you can't even park because all the parking lots are don't full. Don't you just love this humidity? Love it. It's like Florida. And it never rains. We had a good. We had a no. We had really great rain. See, they planned on that, and that's it why the dam rain like when you want it to. That's why the dam never spillway rains failed. Like, never rains. So I hear. But it always pours. There it is. <laughs> so basically all these things are against Southern California, but they kept keep raising the prices. So what is the point of living in Southern California anymore? Well. Well. <laughs> it's a deep subject. <laughs> Thank you. We have five minutes. After these five minutes, this is people deciding their lives. So please. Every single person who listens to this, all the listener out there, the we are listener. talking to you, man. <laughs> the what should we do? Live chat, please. The respond. listener is this so, man next uh, to me. If I say move, is there going to be a mass exodus? Probably. That exactly it, man. That listener Moves. is moving. I mean, I'm sure Brian would like less traffic time. So. I love it. Especially from where you're from, yeah. Yeah, from the old Costa Mesas. Oh, man, it's crazy over there. You don't even want to know what that life's like. Where the fear is. You're in Costa Mesa? I am, and I had a, a ridiculous time because the fair is going on. So you're saying it wasn't I, fair? Oh, my goodness. I work off of Fairview and uh, Baker. So was it a fair? Was that a pun or was that a fact? That's a fact. What are we labeling Jack. that as? That's fact. Okay. Jack. It's a beautiful fact. But it could double as a pun. Yeah, I... I Maybe. think there's a lot of positives to living here. Being like I've traveled to Kansas, my grandma was from there. I've been to some parts of the Midwest, and while there's a simplicity there, it really depends on what you want to do and what you want to find. Like if you leave Southern California, specifically, we're in the bubble, Orange County. Um, you can find great food from every single country in the world. You can find almost anything you want here. Now with Amazon and other things, you've been able to expand and get a lot of things that you couldn't get in those smaller places. But still, you're talking about like. A good example would be where my grandma lived in Kansas, Hutchinson. There are 30, I just actually talked to people from there last night, there are 50,000 people that live in that city. There's a Walmart, a Target, a mall with several stores in it, a single movie theater, a coffee shop. I mean, it is a small place. If you don't like the stuff there, 
You have to leave and go 20 to 30 miles to find the nearest thing. I'm so, sorry, but it's the Walmart? It is, yeah, the Walmart. Sorry. The, there's, uh, the Super Center. No other Walmart. Super Walmart. So while I, d- I do agree that prices are getting outrageous here, what is worth the sacrifice? We, we have another friend who is moving to Oregon because he can get a better house there. He has a house here right now, but he would like a better house, and he has a job that's going to pay more money. But what's he going to do with his time off when all of his family and friends and everyone he knows lives here? So I think video it's, games. It's, yeah, so like, kill deer. He doesn't do that. He's fishing. Kill deer. Listen well, to the Super BS See, podcast. I, but I, I agree with you in a See, way. I, I just I, I think there's a lot to it. No, no, I agree. It, it depends on where you'd move to because my granddaddy was from Innovale, Nebraska. Okay. It is literally between cornfields. Yeah. It was like this little small town of probably like 30 people. And it was so quiet at night because you're used to trains and all that trains and, and all planes. Those. I was. Um, it was so those. quiet. I was waiting for someone to come out of the closet and kill me. Yeah. Because you feel like it's serial killer country. I'll be there yeah. soon. So I, th- I think it depends on where you move. I if, think it also depends too on like what kind of lifestyle you're satisfied with. So like the, if the you thug life. Like clearly somebody somebody <laughs> from Newport Beach isn't going to be happy like in a small town. Like they're going to want to be where the beach is, where there's people, where there's shopping centers, where there's. I the, but there's where the people. But there's are. places you can go if you want. If you like the entertainment, the nightlife feel, and you can live it with humidity, be. you can go the opposite corner of the United States and say Orlando, Florida, which is another entertainment capital of that coast, and it's still way cheaper to live out there. Yeah, but then you're dealing with humidity and gators, yeah. which gators, gators are good, by the way. Good food. Because good food. honestly, like when nice people belts. when people tell nice me that belts. Southern California is like the best place to live, I don't think so. Like I feel like it's kind of it has its its positives, but it's kind of anywhere anywhere you go is going to have its positives and negatives. There's nothing overly special about here. It, it's all perspective. I just live here because this is where I was born, but it's. This is where you're trapped. This is where I'm trapped. But it's not like... Trapped. In the closet. Never trapped. Shout out to Kelly. Hey, it no. could be worse. You could live in Barstow. Yeah. You There's could. Barstow. Or Bakersfield. Bakersfield. Fresno. I mean, that's... Modesto. Del Taco, That's kind of man. why I think, like, leaving because of price is an interesting t- topic to begin with is because, like, you could stay in California and pay significantly less to go to places that are like the Midwest where it's going to have crazy hot summers and freezing cold winters and nobody wants to live there. I mean, they have extremely high crime rates. It's like, a great place yeah, to be yeah. from. Yeah, it's are we talking r- about like Detroit? What are we? Uh, Eighth Mile. Shout out to Eminem. Like, you know, uh, you know, there's certain you know there's certain parts of Detroit where they'll actually give you property if you promise to build on it. Yeah, yeah, they straight was, up. I think we just have to worry about it being robbed and burned down. Yeah, when their crisis happened, I want to say you could buy city blocks for twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah. Jeez. But nobody, but nobody wants to build out there because I mean, nobody can't. can afford anything out there. And not only that, what are you going to do with the squatters? There's so many people who live in those homes that don't pay any money to be there. Like, what are you going to do with them? Yeah, They're too. Like, if you kick a lot of people out, the whole neighborhood's going to hate you. So even well, if you, how you do build kick a them business, out when the whole neighborhood is squatters, oh, with my, with, with <laughs> my <laughs> muscles, Brian, with, with my muscles, his keyboard muscles, and a rake. Oh, man. Squatters' rights. If they're anywhere near the same as squatters' rights in California, you're going to have a lot of fun trying to kick people out. And I I really wonder how long before California, California's ideals and economic issues move to other states. Because eventually it's going to happen. As people leave California, I think you're starting to see that in southern parts of Oregon. You see it in Texas, too. Texas, Austin. We are the first state. Well, it's because we're leaving and we're taking our politics there. That's what's happening in Oregon. We are the first state to try to regulate cow farts. Okay, that is revolutionary. What's wrong with cow yeah. farting? I know. It's killing the ozone. And don't you watch Al Gore's movies? You mean the guy that's like using, yeah. what is it, 63, 64, 34, 34% more? 34% more to heat his yes. pool. There are no consequences and to I, this truth, part two. <laughs> exactly. And if you go to see any movie out of Edwards, they will make you sit through a five-minute trailer of it. 
Oh, Are you good. serious? It's good. Uh, There's a reason why I don't go to Edwards movie theaters. Yeah. It's not Shout a out Regal. Just, just yeah. one. But, uh, <laughs> Regal owns Edward. Oh, wait. <laughs> You'd have to go to AMC. <laughs> Whichever one has a dine-in theater, I'm good. It's the appropriation. <laughs> Bring me food. I'm happy. It's just, it's just so disappointing to see struggling people that are in California who are still yeah. working, who, who are living in tents. Because yes. wasn't it, you know, you have to make like $2,200 um, uh like it, the average rent right now in LA County is like twenty two hundred bucks for a one bedroom. Yeah, we've you know, and it, it it sometimes you find these pockets of generation like or generosity, excuse me. Like in Cyprus, we have a, a five bedroom that we have pool in the backyard. Baller. Wow! No. Thanks for flossing. Yeah. No, I'm so not bragging, but I'll need to brag. Excuse me. I um, got a Ferrari. But no, our <laughs> landlord has been super cool. He's the rent's been the same the last twelve years. It's a set in a, a nice decent amount. He maintains the property really well, and he's just a great landlord. But how often do you not find those? I mean, the houses that are in my area just up the street are renting for, you know, we pay 2500 bucks a month for a five-bedroom. There are people paying 35 3600 for about the same size and houses just up the street. By the way, if you listen to this, don't raise the rent. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Well, uh, just raise the rent on this property. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's something that I think... There's no easy way around this, but there's a lot more hard times before it becomes easier. It's could, not, you, could you see lawmakers stepping in? I, they've done this in certain parts of the state where you have rent control. control. Talking about rent control. Oh, rent control. Yeah, yeah, is that, that, is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, the county has rent control. New, right? New, York's, really? New York's big with rent control because it gets so LA ridiculous. Because someone was telling me that the the housing prices are getting to the point where like we're about to have another housing bubble. Which is, yeah, oh yeah, big time. Well, but yeah. you did bring up a good question before. When that time comes, there's not going to be anyone who can even afford to put a down payment on something, even if it's a little bit cheaper. Right. Well, well when the collapse happened, um, banks got really, really tight on who they'd lend to. It used to be um, during the Bush era, you could walk in and say, I make this much money. <laughs> They're not going to check it. They were writing so many mortgages, they had to have computers signing the things. And now it's gotten to the point where you have to jump through so many hoops just to prove that you, where you work, where, you know, oh, I've been residency here for so long and blah, 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 that... Sometimes it takes months to even apply for a home loan, and these houses are flying off the market because there's so few. Right, right. I mean, look it's, at. I mean, look at. So here's you know, look at Corona. Corona I'd just did not. Thank you. No, yeah, I would Sorry, not Corona. Like, Corona Riverside. They just got done extending like, the ninety one. The beer or the, the actual city. Corona yeah, beers. He's like, look okay. at these beers. I'm, I'm, Vin are. Diesel Glorious. says that you can have any beer you want as long as it's a Corona. I'm talking. And if a, you take that one, enjoy it. It's Vince's. I'm talking in a disappointing tone, so it's Jeez. not Corona. It's the Inland That's Empire. That's so sad, Josh, that you can quote that like that. <laughs> so they or just amazing. They just yeah. Got, yeah, six and one half does the other. They just got done extending the 91, and lo and behold, most of it's toll road, which is super expensive yeah, drive through. But it's not big enough. So here's here's the thing: is well, we're widening the freeway for the people that live there. Oh, but we're also going to continue to build more and more and more. And the crazy thing out thing is, there's so many people that can't afford it here that they're moving out there and commuting the hour and a half in. Yeah, oh, because of because of traffic, it's an hour. Right, a lot of people are taking like trains and stuff too. Like if you, if you yeah, work down in LA, they're they need to get better. Still they like, need to get better with the schedules. I mean, because yeah, yeah. you have a train that doesn't start till six in the morning. There's a lot of people that work in Orange County that their shifts start at six in the morning. Yeah, so well, they, they need, need to get to better mass transit. Before, yeah, like an hour before that. And then, of course, you get all the, the downtime with the trains and stuff like that. So there's always running behind. This topic is so loaded. I actually almost, and I'm a first-time person, a guest on the show, I almost think you guys should extend this topic for the show because it, it's so layered and multifaceted that... Oh, 
Thank you, guys. It's like an ogre and an I, onion. Unless ogre. you guys have topics you really, really want to bring to the table, this, I mean, there's so much unpacking to do here. Because, I mean, you're talking about... Oh, yeah. look at that topic. pun. Beautiful topic. Unpacking, we're talking about moving. But Josh, oh. Josh didn't really have a topic. His I, are, his are I did, though. And I, I did I this did. setup just for him. Yeah. I was, he brought I was, me on I was like, super excited about it. And I was like, Eddie's probably going to bring garbage. Welcome to Topic Ocaplips. Taco Hour 2, Josh. Hour 2, part 4. Thank you for joining the us. The sequel. Welcome to the Taco Apocalypse, where we eat the best tacos <laughs> the best on tacos the air for you. <laughs> on the air. We go eat to all tacos. the you to enjoy listening to us eat. And we review each taco for you. Okay? No crunchy tacos. Those no are not real tacos. All right. <laughs> no crunchy well, tacos. we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. All right. Hey everyone, venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.